recorded live, Union Inn, Washington, D.C., 1112, 3rd Street, Northeast. We are Steps to Nomagayudet Metro. Nice, brisk walk to Union Station. And a leisurely jaw to the Capitol, Capitol Hill. I am the illustrious Innkeeper Freddy, host extraordinaire. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Guestbook Podcast. Guestbook Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Fans of Fela Kuti will definitely recognize. Oh man, flipped it. <laughs> flipped it something real nice. Oh man, Oke Chuku Iwala. Did I say it right? Said it right, man. Oke Chuku Iwala. There you go. He is definitely in recent years one of the most interesting people that I have had the pleasure to get to know and hang out with. He's also very, very, very intelligent and very, very, very insightful. One of his talents and skills, because he's worked at it, is <laughs> an artist in multiple, multiple dimensions. But that's him rapping right there. Mm. What's this song called? Uh, this song right here is called Brother Sister. Um, uh, as you said, man, so eloquently it's an homage to the great fella of Nigeria. I should say of Africa and the world. And um, it's also just a plea for us all across the diaspora to come together, but equally for the whole world to re-up on the brother sisterhood concept, you know. No doubt. How long you been spitting for? <laughs> Well, truthfully, um, my, my relationship with the word as a creative force and expression really began um, when I was nine years old, so over 20 years. I really look at myself as an artist of the word, so various forms of expression, whether it's poetry, just pure communication, whether it's hip-hop, whether it's music, but the basis being just true expression, sincere expression, creative expression. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like to look at life like this. Sometimes I really like the Lauryn Hill video for Everything is Everything, in which, uh, you know, almost like the life itself, the city was a gigantic you know record and turntable you know why i love that video so much is the concept of your life itself is a living artistic creative experience and everybody around the world i view them as artists i look at god the ultimate creator as the ultimate artist so literally just living is artistic expression people might say ah that's corny or that's not true i really believe that like your experiences your interactions it's itself a creative masterpiece i like it i like it now you grew up in the D.C. area. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I was born in Washington, D.C. in the city and grew up in, in Maryland and Washington, D.C. Okay. Yes. And your family's from Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> My family is deeply, deeply rooted in Nigeria. Um, we're from southeastern Nigeria. We're Igbo people. Um, My mom comes from Delta State, Nigeria. My dad comes from Abia State. Both of them in the Igbo-speaking part of Nigeria. All right. And what village do you hail from? Yes. So, you know, in Nigeria, you got to always give respect to your paternal village and land. So, you know, I have to speak of Umudai Shingu village, 
which is part of Umaya North Local Government in Abia State, Nigeria, that's southeastern Nigeria. So that's my village. But you know, I would be remiss <laughs> if I if I failed to mention my mom's hometown, which is the Kingdom of Ogwashi, the Ogwashuku Kingdom, um, which is one of the great historic kingdoms in Igbo land and in uh in Nigeria. It's a descendant of the Nri Kingdom, which is the famous uh you know incredible kingdom of Igbo land, um, which has the holy city of Nri. So the founder of Ogwashi on my mom's side uh, is a son of the Nri Kingdom. Yes. The uh, Ogwashi Kingdom. Yes. Where is that located in Nigeria? Yes. Yeah, so the Ogwashi Kingdom is located in Delta State, Nigeria, which um essentially, yeah, if if anybody's looking at a Nigerian map, you'll see if you go to the southeastern part of the country and you'll see where the river Niger is, um the capital of Delta State, Asaba, um is basically just about 15 minutes from Ogwashi, you know, so yeah, this is an area that's called the Anyama region of Igbo land and Nigeria. Um, Igbo land is funny because a lot of people tend to think of Igbos as living east of the river Niger, but there are also some Igbos on the west side of the river Niger, and that would be the Anyama region. Okay. And for those familiar with the largest city in Nigeria and the largest city, I want to say, in Africa, right? Yeah, if we say population-wise, population I think we wise, might have yeah. gotten Cairo now, man. You know, I know it's a little <laughs> battle, you know what I mean? So. Lagos is in the southwestern corner of exactly, Nigeria. Exactly. So, um, and so we're talking about the other side of the country exactly. along the water. Exactly. Or a little bit north of the water. How far is uh, Abia State from? From the, the, the ocean? Um, yeah. Yes, let's say uh, if you were doing a straight shot to break to the Gulf, I think you would do it in like two and a half hours, okay. you know, if the roads were really perfect. So, yeah. like, D.C. to New York? Yeah, yeah. Less than that. Less okay. than that, yeah. All right. And how much time did you spend in Nigeria growing up? Yeah, growing up, I would uh, go to Nigeria about, uh, you know, every year uh, with our family. You know, we were blessed. Um, our parents really tried to make it very important for us to reconnect to our roots. So, we would spend about a month a year in Nigeria. And uh, our parents really tried to instill in us this understanding that, we were definitely fully embedded in the American flow, but we're also 100 million percent Nigerian and we should be happy and proud and celebrate that. Celebrate being Nigerian, celebrate being African, celebrate being Igbo. So, yeah. Definitely, mm -hmm. definitely. Growing up, your knowledge of Nigerian history. Yes. Or African history. Yes. Did that come from stories that were told from family members to you? Did this come from schooling in America, schooling in Nigeria, or did this come from your own research? And if it came from your own research, did you do most of that research in the States or did you do most of that research in Africa? Man, that's a beautiful question. Um, I think one could say it's like an entirely holistic experience of every one of the components that you mentioned. Okay. So I'll just go a little briefly into it. Um. Our family was incredibly blessed in that my parents' parents, both sets of them, lived for a very long time. So um, I was able, growing up all the way, basically until I was about 30 years old, to have the experiences of being able to sit with my parents' parents, like both my dad's parents and my mom's parents. And both of them on my father's side, my grandfather is a reverend minister, or was a reverend minister, um, may he rest in peace. My grandmother was a Sunday school teacher. On my mother's side, 
Um, she, my grandmother is still living. She's a retired professor of sociology, and her father, um, who just recently passed away, was um a retired professor of economics, mathematics, and statistics. And he also was the traditional ruler. He and his wife were the traditional rulers of the Oguashuku Kingdom. Great so, people, man. Great yeah, people. man. So starting even from the grandparent generation, there was both institutional knowledge and education and equally familial knowledge. And the same extends for my parents. You know, I cannot say I'll be anything of myself without my parents and my brothers and sister. Um, my parents, again, I'm not speaking on it to be like this, that, and the third, just giving you a background. Like, you know, both of them also spend a lot of time in education and service. My mom is an economist. My father is a medical doctor. So equally, they also had an academic approach to things, and they also had a cultural, familial approach. So just being in that kind of a family already instilled this feeling of, man, let me learn about my people. Let me learn about our culture. Let me learn about our history. Then being in America also was a great you know, connection or, or almost synapse with that. I'm using synapse because it's like a global brain, you know. Yeah. Um, just growing up in Washington, D.C. and in Maryland and being in the U.S., you know, when you start learning about just the nature of the entire African diaspora and the glory and the greatness of black people around the world, you know, but particularly in the U.S., what they went through, what we've gone through, what we've passed through, you know, when you learn about the horrors of the transatlantic slave trade, and then you learn about the incredible resilience and the incredible beauty in every way, shape, and form. Science, art, knowledge, life of black people in the United States of America. Man, you know, our father really encouraged us to tap into that. And I'm, I'm so thankful because it made me really appreciate appreciate us, man. You know what I'm saying? Appreciate us. Healthy self-love is so important. So important. That's it. That's it. You know? So... That's that's the the familial and the academic, and then yeah, you know, you I mean, you just laid it all out because you you know you're asking about institutions and you're asking about family, and for me it was also something personal. Yeah. Yes. You know, I really um growing up from around the age of nine, I took inspiration from what I call autodidacts. You know, and you know there's so many to name, but you know when you learn about you know all these people that didn't have educational degrees in the institutions but were transformative in their in their effects in the world so immediately coming to my mind is someone like obviously Malcolm X Al-Hajj Malik Al-Shabbat um you know Nas you know what I'm saying Tupac you know um even Lauren Hill who left school you know what I'm saying but well, pretty much them. any well-read person <laughs> you understand <laughs> yeah you know so yeah and that inspired me from a young age man let me read as much as I can from everywhere let me learn about Africa let me learn about the continent the diaspora the world you know yeah you've been living in Nigeria now for the last five six years you said mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what's going on in Nigeria right now <laughs> man that's that's a that's a universe question right there. right <laughs> that's vast you know but um, you know, for, for those that might not be familiar with Nigeria, Nigeria is obviously um the it's it's the largest black nation in the world. You know, it has the largest population of, you know, African people on this planet. Um truly Nigeria's population is about two hundred million. Not only that, Nigeria is basically the most ethno and linguistically diverse place in the world you know mm. yeah they're about you know depending on how you define languages slash uh dialects but essentially there are between 400 and 500 languages in nigeria you know so <laughs> and then if you're speaking about 
religious diversity again we have you know about 45 or 50 percent of our, our nation being muslim 45 percent of our nation being christian you know people also practicing all kinds of traditional indigenous religions um so basically once you know that when you set foot in nigeria you're setting foot into like this explosive diverse energetic you know whirlwind of a country Nigeria is extremely unique in that it has like the entire physical geography of the continent in this one nation. Okay. So every single one of the geographic features you normally see in physical geography is in Nigeria. So um, if we talk about uh, bordering the Gulf, the Delta region, where the, the large ma majority of Nigeria's oil comes out of, that's like what you would call mangroves and swamps and all of this kind of incredible mangrove swamp diversity. Um, if you're talking about, uh, we have very tropical rainforest, um, essentially climate and area in the southern part of the country, you know, um, and then as you progress, you enter into what is known as the Sahel. So that's the region that borders the Sahara Desert, you know, um, and essentially is this kind of intermediary zone. Then as you get to the far, far north of Nigeria, you're still in the Sahel, but given things happening with uh, desertification across the African continent and other parts of the world and issues of global climate change, we're seeing the infringing of the desert into areas in Nigeria, which would be the far north of Nigeria and northeastern Nigeria. And when desertification happens, mm -hmm. do you find that, a pun, if you will, happens that people end up leaving the city and it becomes deserted. So, man, you've hit on a crux issue in Nigeria with in terms of what's happening. And I hate to speak on this issue first, but because there's so much positivity happening. But actually, desertification, one could say, is fueling um, some conflicts in part in Nigeria in that people are losing the ability to farm in certain regions. And we have um, groups of people who have historic nomadic grazing traditions, um, the Fulani people that move across Nigeria with cows and other um, livestock grazing. And of course, as areas desertify, forces them to keep moving to other areas, which sometimes can cause conflicts given uh, encroachments on lands or miscommunications about, you know, people's presences in various areas. So that's actually been an, a big issue across a lot of Nigeria in recent years, you know. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's, let's counterbalance that with a positive. What's <laughs> a positive thing going on in the North? Yeah, yeah, man. Well, you know, one of the most uh, positive things I think we have to look at in Nigeria is the uh, incredible youth bulge, the demographic, demographic bulge, like having um, a population that has, you know, almost 60% of people under the age of 35. Um, there's incredible creativity, energy, and vibrancy um, fueled by this youth force, um, no matter where you go in Nigeria, in the North and in the South. Um, and equally, there is a, what I would call almost an undercover Nigerian cultural flowering that's happening um, in terms of music explosions, um, visual arts explosions, uh, that extends into music videos, but equally into incredible paintings and designs and um, environmental art, you know, so all of this is going on, um, as well as uh, tech explosions. You know, a lot of people not familiar with the, the technological prowess of, of Nigerians and Africa as a whole, but, you know, both in the north and the south, there are regions where, like in Lagos, in Enugu, in Kano, where you have Nigerian youth really being incredibly inventive and entrepreneurial when it comes to technology is afrobeat at the center of all of this yeah so i think uh 
I, well, I would be remiss if I say the Nigerian musical takeover worldwide. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's evident everywhere. I mean, yeah. now you know it's really been beautiful to watch. Um, just having grown up here, and then at the same time, you know, being a big part of things in Nigeria, the level of visibility, creativity, and connectivity of the Afrobeats flow is is incredible. Obviously, you see artists like Burner Boy, David Doe, Wizkid. You know, you see uh, what. Olamide has done you see if if you touch down in Nigeria the music is everywhere but then obviously the music is everywhere around the world now London New yeah. York you know the Caribbean Brazil I just today saw an image of Two-Face who is kind of a little bit before this whole Afrobeats explosion but one of Nigeria's greatest artists um I saw him landing in Brazil getting mobbed you know what I'm saying just the the musical energy of Nigeria is uncontainable you know and it's gone around the world so it is a big part of it if we were to use American hip-hop as an analogy, mm. we have eras, right? Mm. The names of these eras is less important than we had phases. Sure, sure. What phase are we in with Afrobeat? Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I first got to have to shout out the ancient ancestors, right? Because we in Africa, Of man. course. <laughs> so and, and, like, and, and I understand, like, their influences to what Afrobeat is. You know. I mean... Afrobeat in its current form. Yeah. Like, are we in first generation, second generation, third generation? Sure, sure. I think, uh, you know, one could probably say we're, like, in a in a third generation. And I want to make a distinction. You know, I think global music people would agree. Like, they would make a big distinction between what is known as Afrobeat, which would be, like, the Fela inspiration and what some of his sons really tried to carry on, you know, Shaun and, and, uh, and Femi. And Afro beats with a S, you know what I'm saying? Which is this kind of like free flowing, almost Caribbean inspired, you know, dubstep inspired era that we're in now, you know? Okay, okay. Yes. And so, why I say we're kind of like in the third in- iteration is that it's not as if there's no connectivity to that Fela era, you know, mm-hmm. which, you know, really was blazing in Nigeria in the 70s, 80s, and even early 90s, and is always blazing in Nigeria because it's something that's ubiquitous. But there's that era was heavily influenced by what I would call American funk, James Brown, you know, um that that really was the power force. And the live instrumentation. Yes, live it. instrumentation. So that'll be the first era. Yeah, you know, and then, you know, you had uh like there was a time period in Nigeria essentially you had I wouldn't know what term or how to really call it, but you had just great artists coming up that essentially took influences from all around the world. That's one of the good things of Nigeria. When you touch down, you'll see that artists integrate reggae, they integrate, you know, hip hop, they integrate, you know, Caribbean flows, and they kind of just keep coming up. It's like a cauldron that's cooking. Nigeria is a very free flowing, free form society, and the music reflects that. So there was like this middle era, a bridge era before the era that we're in now. Mm-hmm. And that bridge era, I want to speak of artists like Labaja, you know, Two-Face. Um, I want to speak of artists like Sound Sultan. And this is not to say these artists are not relevant in this era, but they were trailblazers to open the way towards this era where now Nigerian music is like in what I would call like this super, in fact, global commercialism all over, you know, type flow with the David Doe's and the Wiz Kids. And that's the third era. Yes, that's the third era, you know. Let's say you're an American. Mm. You want to travel to Nigeria. Yes. You don't know anybody there. <laughs> But I watch out too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Man. 
I guess, how would you tell them to go about visiting Nigeria? Sure, sure. So you know what? This is one of the, the, the greatest questions you can ask because sometimes in the global dialogue, Nigeria has been misrepresented as being like a home of incredible uh, corruption, you know, as being a place where nowhere is safe, you know, and that there's so much violence and risk involved, you know, especially now recently with the Boko Haram conflict in northeastern Nigeria. But I would like to say Nigeria is one of the most fascinating places on the planet. And if you had never been, first of all, just from a historic perspective, there's numerous things to see. So if I had never been to Nigeria and I was intending to go, the first thing I would do is look up kind of some of the ancient historical sites of which we have plenty, both in the north and the south. Like you start from the north, you have the ancient city of Kano, you know, which has like the incredible ancient histories of, you know, Islamic uh, states that have existed for very long periods of time. You know, the Emir's Palace, the same in uh, Sokoto, the same if we go to northeastern Nigeria, where the Boko Haram conflict is going. There's great ancient history there of the Kanem Borno Empire. And you can take it all the way to the south, um, you know, kingdoms like the ancient kingdom of Benin, you know, in Igbo land, the ancient kingdom of the Nri kingdom. In the west, you have the holy city of Ife, you know, and numerous other you know, ancient great Yoruba kingdom. So from an ancient history perspective, all across Nigeria, there's much. We have UNESCO World Heritage Sites and sites that are being considered for that, like the Sukur Wall. Um, we have great, incredible natural sites, you know what I mean? The whole Atlantic Ocean coastline, um, the whole rainforest, uh, Mount Cameroon, you know, Mandara Mountains region in, in the eastern, you know, northern, eastern part of the country, Adamawa State, Taraba State, the Gashaka Gumti Reserve. We have a lot of wildlife reserves, you know, that celebrate, you know, the rainforest, that celebrate forests, that celebrate wildlife. Um, So there's so much there. Um, We have a lot of ancient spiritual sites, you know, in Oshun State. We have these incredible, like, spiritual sites from indigenous religious perspectives that already attract a lot of people from Brazil, Cuba, numerous other parts of the world so there's so much on those regards but nigeria is the kind of country that <laughs> you know if you're coming there and you don't know anybody nigerians are very friendly and you don't speak the language yeah well the global the the official language of nigeria is english okay great know? so even though we have three major languages in various regions Igbo, yoruba and hausa and obviously numerous other languages you can communicate with people in english and be able to move around and do your thing. Obviously, as any traveler is informed, be careful. You know, you can get into trouble anywhere being too open and too easily, you know, trusting in without really vetting some things. So logistically, mm-hmm. would you recommend if somebody wanted to see those that they research a travel company that's going there and go there with them mm. or go solo dolo? <laughs> so, I mean, now, now a real, real side of Brother Oak about to come out, <laughs> you know. Truly, Nigeria's best experience knowing somebody in Nigeria. Like, there are some nations that I feel like you can just drop in and, you know, it's good to go. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Nigeria definitely is a kind of nation that your experience will be enhanced times 25 million trillion just knowing somebody. Because it is sometimes a little bit difficult to navigate, but not impossible, you Mm -hmm. know. So... Um, yeah, we have travel companies coming up. To be honest, tourism is an underdeveloped sector in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. It should, it could be something really phenomenal. 
Um, so some of the travel companies that operate are not in their fullest capacity yet, but they're coming up. So you could try that. Okay. I want to, before we get to seven questions, go back to uh, your relationship with art. Yes. And how you've combined that with education, mm. specifically in Nigeria. I believe you've been doing that in Nigeria for like the last five, six years. Sure, sure. I want you to talk about that a bit. Oh, most deaf, most deaf. Um, yeah, uh, for the last, you know, you know, set of years, um, you know, as an artist, as a thinker, as a creator, um, and as a teacher, you always find that life itself is an experience with which to communicate and engage. But uh, I did a lot of work in recent years with a grassroots organization I started called the OKE Love, Peace, and Light Foundation, or Slash Initiative, you could say. Um, and we were just doing a lot of work trying to cultivate young people um, and their visions, energies, and talents. Um, what we were doing was trying to Im re improve and repair a dilapidated infrastructure of schools in marginalized areas, trying to help provide uh, recreation and sports infrastructure for schools, as well as start programs, particularly in things like basketball, um, football, meaning soccer, you know what I'm saying? And even track and field, encouraging young people that have visions and dreams in those regards. Um, we did a lot of work trying to cultivate young, talented visual artists and join them with uh, professional visual artists who were fully doing their thing because one thing that slept on in the world context, although it's improving now, is knowledge of Nigeria's incredible visual arts tradition. Nigeria is ridiculous. Are you talking about paintings, murals? Yeah, I'm focusing more on uh, painting, um, sculpture, uh, and you know those kind of domains. But you know, I should. I would. I, I'm not saying that Nigeria is not also super talented in terms of filmmaking. You know, because Hollywood, man. Hollywood, right? You know. <laughs> And it surpassed Hollywood, right? I'm telling you, in terms of a uh, number of movies coming out, and then, yeah, the economic uh, value of those movies is increasing every day. It's huge. It's running Africa, even Caribbean. So, but we were really trying to connect, um, you know, a lot of grassroots youth who had artistic visual abilities with others that were, were doing things. This was all taking place in Abuja. Um, yeah. And, uh, I also, as a coach, you know, because I was coaching grassroots basketball for like five years, um, really, we would have our sessions, um, and, and this was in the, in the project with Power Forward, that was with the NBA, um, Africa, the great NGO located here in the United States, and financial funding that came out of ExxonMobil. Um, we would have all these practices and also focus on development literacy, like sustainable development goals. And also, I would take the time to talk about just everything, African history, environmental education, um, African-American history, diaspora awareness and knowledge, leadership cultivation, you know, so we would include those things after training as well. And then I also worked with a great friend of mine named Ife Sinachi, uh, um, an incredible environmental artist. Uh, we, we started the Environmental Art Collective Foundation did a lot of projects still ongoing um what is environmental art yeah i wish my man were here because he's an incredible brother that you know shout out to him um but i think one would call it art that all art is environmental but i think specifically this would be art that tries to take um resources or things that some would call disregarded or waste or you know unimportant and flip these very common things that some regard as waste or disregarded into new projects. So it's with respect to the input as opposed to the output. 
yes, I think, you know, definitely with respect to the input, um, you know, that's why I said all art is environmental, making you reflect and integrate uh, concepts about your environment. But this specifically is trying to get at, um, yeah, some of the inputs into the aesthetic process. And so, for example, this uh, brother that I'm mentioning, Ife Sinachi, he has used everything from recycled uh, straws, you know, to newspaper, to uh uh, concrete bags, cement sacks, you know what I'm saying, to make all kinds of incredible things that you just really can't imagine till you see it. You're like, wow, this is really stretching the mind and imagination. And, um, you know, shout out to him again. He created, we created a, a, a kind of series of conferences to bring thinkers, artists, scholars, and environmental activists together called One Environment that has run for the last uh, four years in Abuja. And it's really been a great uh, nexus point, you know what I mean, to bring together youth and all other kinds of people together in, in education and, and art, you know, to discuss these issues. And you'll be going back to Nigeria soon, right? Yeah, yeah, I should be in Nigeria by the end of the year, And um, but I must confess something, like, you know, so every time you're in Nigeria, depending on your region, you can have different experiences. I really want to go back to also spend significant time in my home state, in Abia State, because I always get there, but I want to spend a long period of time there as well, you know. Is that the plan? Well, that's part of the plan, man. You know how the plans are, man. <laughs> 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 you know how the plans can be. You know, plans are, you know, you always have to be flexible and, and transformative, but that's definitely in the plan, you know. All right. You ready for the seven questions? Let's break it down. All right. <laughs> What's it called, y'all? It's the questions. It's the questions. Wait, it's the questions. It's the questions. Yeah, the questions. Question number one. What is the book that you would add to the library? Um, so, you know. Yeah, I know you got a ton. I got a million, right? You know, shout out to my older brother who's created incredible books. Beast of No Nation and uh, Our Kind of People Speak No Evil. Shout out to my mom. She's a so wait, Beast of No Nation was your brother? Yeah, my older brother, man. Dr. Uzadima Iwala is a great author and now runs the Africa Center in New York City. I saw that movie on Netflix. I couldn't finish it, man. Mm, yeah, like, it's very, it's, very, it, yeah. It, I just remember Beast of No Nation being very impactful. Hmm, hmm. So when I say like I couldn't finish the movie, I mean that in a way that was just yes, like yes. searingly emotionally profound. No, um, seriously, that's why like I have the utmost, you know, respect for him, my older brother, um, because of number one, just the way he's been pushing his writing and literature, but two, to start out with that novel, to the kind of issues that he was grappling with in writing it, and equally his heart to also make sure that some of what happened from that novel was more awareness to all these issues and yep. even financial contributions towards rehabilitation, humanization of peoples that pass through, you know, being child soldiers or any forms of conflict in the world. You know, he really, man, like he went through a lot to write that novel and even the movie. Yes, I understand exactly what you're saying, why it's, it's so difficult, you know. So, but yeah, like it's it, <laughs> that man. In fact, we got to get into that. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I'm shouting out my brother, shouting out my mother, my who had uh, just recently released a book in about Nigeria called "Fighting Corruption Is Dangerous," and it's an account of her time working in Nigeria's uh, government and basically some of the experiences that she had leading the country's 
um, economic team, you know, and and yeah, it it really gives you a perspective and insight into what it's like to manage a nation as complex and as uh, you know, explosively creative, entrepreneurial, and at times difficult as Nigeria. But oh, shout there. I'm not going to recommend those books. Please forgive me. Of course, I've recommended them, but the the book I'm going to choose uh, for today. Um, to recommend is a book called Sophia and the Utopia Machine. Um, and that's written by my great friend, Judith Wang. Um, I knew her from university. She's an incredible Singaporean poet, author, visionary, thinker, creator. Um, man, this book is off the chain. <laughs> like, yo, Sophia and the Utopia Machine is off the chain. You know what I'm saying? Um, is I'm, this a uh, fiction? Yeah, this is, this is a uh, fiction work. Um, you know, kind of inspired science fiction, you could say. Um, and uh, really, you know, Judith, people need to know about this woman, man, because in this book, she she gets at so many things: the intersection of futurism, multiple universes, dimensionality, what I would call cosmic perspectives, what it is to create. And this novel is geared towards teenagers, but anybody could read it. And you know, she's wrestling with issues of spirituality, epic. Uh, you know, epic uh, poetry. I mean, look, man. <laughs> Would this fall in under the, I guess, subcategory of young adult or YA? Yeah, it was falling that category. But okay. that's what I'm saying. As an adult reading it, you're gonna really be inspired. You okay. know, yeah. And I like it. Yeah, this is this is the joint right here. All right, number two, podcast to subscribe. So, man, you know, man, yo, I have to t- <laughs> tell you the truth. <laughs> yo, that question really flipped me because. Honestly speaking, I can't say I'm a person that really checks podcasts all the time like that. What I do is I get some people put me on game. So I'll be first one I would shout out is this very one we on right here. <laughs> no doubt, no <laughs> doubt. Because, you know, shout out to my, my roommate from university, Brother Ease, George Joseph, you know, who you had on. And he graciously, yeah. you know, brought, brought connectivities between us. And yes, that's indeed. One, one, one of my favorite episodes, episode number 24 with Eve George Joseph but Jr., yeah, man. Um, I will say there is, you know, um, there's a website truthdig.com that goes into all kind of reflections on global and American political issues, and there's often a connection there to the Shear Report. You know, uh, I think Robert Shear is the name of the of the brother that has this Shear Report podcast, and I, I've learned some things there in terms of his uh, analyses of some you know, global and, and American domestic situations. So there's always some things I've learned from his engagements there. You know what I mean? Is the podcast called The Sheer Report or is it called Sheer Intelligence? Yeah, I think it's uh, Sheer Intelligence. You know, that that might be the uh, the specific name to it. You know, one thing with me, I'm a very, I'm a both an audio person and a textual person. So a lot of times I find myself reading the podcast as interviews. You know what ah, I'm saying? Breakdowns okay. and, and discussions. Yeah. So yeah, that's the thing. I like that. Number three, something that you didn't know that you needed until you got it. <laughs> Yo, all we need is love, bro. <laughs> I'm saying, well, you know, first, I, seriously, when I hear that question, I think love, man, is the thing. Because we all know we need love. But, like, when you get it, you really know that, that you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you really, you know what I'm saying? It's almost like you didn't know how much you needed that love. Like, so that would be my real first answer to that question. You know That's what I'm the truth, man. That is the truth. We all know about it. Once you get it. Once you feel that, man. You're really like, man, 
That's a great answer, man. Great answer. Mm. Number four, bucket list place to travel. <laughs> is a place in the world that you have been to that you recommend the listeners add to their bucket list? Mm. Well, you know, I think it goes without saying Nigeria is an, an incredible place to travel to. But uh-huh. um, I, I also want to include Senegal in this uh, discussion. Senegal is, man, that's that's one of the most beautiful places, countries on this planet. And Any city in particular? Yeah, Dakar. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Dakar. Um you know, just being there, the energy of the youth, the welcoming hospitality of the people, man, that that nation, that nation is truly transformative. So I really recommend that. Do you speak French? Um, so I used to, <laughs> you know, so I used to be a fluent brother in French. Now my French is struggling, but uh, I can still read it and write it, and you know, can still do my thing. I'm the kind of brother. Give me two months, my French will be back on point. No doubt. Mm. Someone who does not speak French, yes, are they going to have trouble getting around the car? Uh, yeah, they they would they would a little bit. Yes, it's definitely a place that speaking French will is much to your advantage. Um, but you can still do things. The car is an international city. There are all kinds of people there, so there are also many people in the car that speak English. All right, number five, fifty mile detour restaurant <laughs> anywhere in the world. You'd be willing to go fifty miles out of your way just to eat there. Wow. Well, I'll shout out this Arakosia uh, restaurant out here in Washington, D.C., man. All right. Yeah. What's Arcosia, it called? I think it's Arakosia, you know. A-R-C-O-S-I-A. This is a traditional Afghan cuisine. Bistro Arakosia. Yes, yes. This is in, uh, looks like Fox Hall. Yeah, man. This out on MacArthur Boulevard. The brothers out there, man, they... You know how people say cuisine is not just the cooking, but it's also the kindness and the energy of those that prepare it. Mm-hmm. The love energy they put into the food is beautiful, you know. So when you even step in the restaurant, there's an ambiance. You know, these people got quotes from Rumi on the on the wall. You nice. know, yeah, and there's just this whole energy that enters in. Okay, and you say it's Afghan. Afghan inspired, you know, Afghanistan. I guess a lot of people don't realize Afghanistan has always been popping people over here tend to think of it like oh conflicts man afghanistan been the center of knowledge universities and artistic cultural movements for for millennia yeah because it's a crossroads place so the cuisine is so interesting because it's crossroads cuisine you get mediterranean influences you get central asian influences other parts of the arab islamic world influences and you know it's really is they, they they get it all there no doubt all right, let's close this out. Number six, your number one skill, your number one honed craft, what you've worked at. Yeah, I would say my number one <clears throat> honed craft is uh, listening. That's a great, great, great skill to not only have, but to have worked on and it be your number one skill. Mm. And yeah, I, I just want to say like listening in the fullest sense of the word. Like some people will say listening is just through your ears, but I mean like listening to the world, listening to the universe, listening to the environment, listening to feelings, listening. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Last but certainly not least, number seven, your number one talent. This is something that's natural, innate. You didn't have to work at it. You just had it. Okay. I think communication is a a natural talent for me. Yeah. Just being able to verbalize uh, what is within me to articulate it, to exchange with others, and to spark others to communicate back. I think that's a natural flow for me. Amazing. 
Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, Oaks. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on again, man. Like, for real. No Next doubt. time you come back to the States. No doubt. Do you have any social media contact info, website that you'd like to share with the listeners in case you want to get in contact? Oh, you know, for now, I, you know, I'm not so, so big on the social media, but, you know, I just drop an email. You can always, always holler at me on email, oewala at gmail.com. That's O-I-W-E-A-L-A at gmail.com. And uh, okepfoundation.org will show you just a little taste of some things that we have going on out there in Nigeria, you know. But, um, yeah, feel free to holler at me on email. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a great episode of Guess What Podcast. Hopefully, we've inspired you to want to go out and visit Nigeria, if not anywhere in Africa. <laughs> As always, if you want to reach me, innkeeper at unionndc.com. And the website is the suffix unionndc.com. And on Instagram, I got three handles at unionndc for the end, at guestbookpod for the podcast, and at innkeeperfreddy for my personal. Where you go through my feed, you can see pictures of the new International Spy Museum in their new building over in LaFont Plaza. It's actually pretty nice, man. But yeah, Oak, you the man. Nah, man. You the man, brother. No, but for real, what you doing with this? This is this is what it's all about. This is true world education. No doubt, no doubt. And that's really all I can ask, really. People listen and they learn something, take some away from it. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. It's like B L A C K, so I keep it real African and do it our way. B L A C K, so I keep it real African and do it our way. So you want to talk about the Africa Peace Walk? Yeah. So you know, it's just something that's always been in the mind. Um, you know, at times you. Africa is a beautiful continent, but you know, at times you hear about the conflicts, whether they're in Nigeria or in Mali or, you know, in the Congo or in Somalia or, you know, in Libya. So I've always had this spirit of, of something, you know, love, peace and light, spreading it all around the world, building, bringing people together. Why not do a Afri- the Africa Peace Walk? And it's going to be a transcontinental walk, literally just walking. Going from town to town, village to village, just on the concept of one love, peace. You know what I'm saying? And the whole point to that would be to bring attention to the fact that continentally, we're all one family. Globally, we're all one family. And to really encourage people to put down arms anywhere there's a conflict on the continent, let's put down these arms. You know, it shouldn't have to be um, that we solve conflicts with these arms. That why can't we be moving on our evolved consciousness level and figure out different ways, you know, for, for how to relate. Where would you start and end? Um, so, well, um, there is uh, one part of me that sees my sees it starting in Cairo. You know, maybe we start at the, you know, right there at the pyramids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, right. and, and we take it down, you know, and take it down, you know, going through as many countries as we can until we get to South Africa, you know. and Cairo to Cape Town? Cairo to Cape Town, one, one version of it, you know. And then, you know, we also wanted to get the east to west action. So, you know out of Somalia or Djibouti all the way out to Dakar, you know what I'm saying? Cutting through sections, you know, of different countries as we move. You know, obviously, you might not be able to touch every single country in that journey, but I think, you know, everyone would get the, the picture, you know. 
once you get to Western Africa, would you follow the coastline or would you walk inland? Yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, this have to get worked out, you know, because there, there are advantages to both, you know, but one thing I guess that is a little bit difficult is parts of Niger and Mali that would be along that path might bring you into literally exactly these conflict zones, but maybe that be what you want, you know what I'm saying, so that that's where the statement is made, you know, Um, but I also do see the argument for going along the coast, you know, because that's, that's one of the most beautiful journeys you can ever make, Um, going along the West African coast, an incredible one, so you know, I mean, maybe you guys should shoot us ideas, you know what I mean, for this African <laughs> peace walk. But it's something that has been in me, in my spirit for 10 years, you know, and uh, definitely is something to bring out alongside all these other artistic and energetic visionary movements.